Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the Rioters Review. I'm Stephen Hill. Mm. Uh, Renfrey Deadman just went, mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you all right, mate? Mm. You asked that just as I put coffee to my lips. But I know, yes. what a wanker. Yeah, terrible Stitch person. up, innit? Yep. Like Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid. Like, You're making me look like an idiot. Hating each other. Um, uh, this is a uh, podcast that we do for our patrons. If you're yes. a patron, over at patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast. If you very kindly donated some money to us, chances are you're hearing this before the people who haven't done yeah, that that's right you're free yeah, yeah yeah free all the freeloaders getting it late coming in late in the day uh, um but that's fine hello welcome to you as well if you want to go over and um become a patron i've just given you address do it again patreon.com forward slash right act podcast there if you sign just give us a quid a month that's all we ask um well and we ask we ask that you give as much or as little as you'd like but yeah, I, think, we do. I think the minimum is the minimum is a pound if you want to give more than that then we'd be delighted but over there you can suggest for us to do this and what we do is um we take the suggestions that the people who are patrons give us for albums that they'd like to hear us review or talk about and we uh we bloody we'll talk d- about them. that's what we do and that's what we're <laughs> about to do now um so yeah go over and there and um we should stress this Get is albums that. from any time, any point, any point, any time, anywhere, whatever it is you've yeah. ever wanted us to kind of talk about and dissect. Yeah. Pack of Bell's Canon. We will do that. I Sorry? would quite happily do Pack of Bell's Canon. I love that piece of music. Da, 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 da. And then it repeats for a long time. It's like the first post-rock song ever. I don't Something. know what that is. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I'm glad that we picked Thomas Ashelford's choice and not yours uh, this week. So, Thomas, thank you very much for um, for being a patron. We appreciate that. Shout out you. Fist bump. Like sonic fist bump for you. Me and, and Steve literally, we, we just, literally just fist did bumps, a, which was yeah, completely rubbish. Not. <laughs> the whitest thing ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you picked, brilliantly picked. Um, yeah, great pick. Murder Ballads. By Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, yeah. which is what we're going to talk about now. His ninth um, studio the album. ninth studio album by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which was released on the um, the fifth of February, nineteen ninety six. I've actually got um, a twentieth of February, nineteen ninety six release in the United States of America. I don't know why. That Controversial. Was. Controversial. Yeah, possibly. Um, we've not really had a chance to talk properly about Nick Cave, other than when we. Sp- Episode zero. Episode zero. Yeah. The Venn diagram of uh, of a riot act. We yep. spoke about Nick Cave. Yeah. And we put him in there in a, in the sort of solo artist category. Are you? Uh, how big is your fandom <laughs> for Nick Cave? Out of interest, because I don't really know the answer to this question. It's mm, it's not as big as it used to be. Funnily enough. Huh. Uh, yeah. It. I used to really. I used to be really no, not obsessed. Obsessed is not fair. Um, I used to be so intrigued by Nick Cave, mm. and I've from kind of grind demand and beyond. Mm-hmm. I've kind of not really delved that much into some of his newer stuff. I don't really know why. Yeah. That's making it sound like he's done something wrong, and he hasn't really. Mm. It's just I have run out of time and space in my life to be able to do you know to, to be able to listen to most of the newer nick cave stuff i have a, just a few albums of his that i fucking listen to a lot and which are well this is one of them actually right this would be kind of the i bought when i, I bought a nick cave in a bad i bought a nick cave in a bad seeds um greatest hits was the first thing that i bought the best of nick cave in the it best was seeds? that yeah, 98 yeah. one yeah, yeah 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 and that was kind of the first thing i bought yeah and 
I've kind of from from there, like the little bit before. So this would have been the album. I think this was the album that came just before that came out. Yes, might have been one that, that came best out of was around ninety eight. Yeah, this was ninety six. So, so I sort of went back one, and then I sort of went for like I say up to about Grinder Man, um, and. he's got such a vast back catalogue yeah he's got such a vast back catalogue and he's got a back catalogue of stuff which is so diverse and takes so long for you to to fully seep into your psyche that I feel like Nick Cave is one of those people that unless you are completely completely besotted and obsessed with him Mm -hmm. you are going to struggle to to get everything he's like Prince I I agree I agree do you know what I mean he's like like Prince would release an album every fucking month and i know some people who could tell you track eight on every single prince album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i mean obviously i don't think he's quite as, as prolific as, well he's not as prolific as prince no one is uh, no but um you know nick cave and the bad seeds have released uh 16 studio albums in what mm, god 38 30, years yeah something like that something like that which is not bad going at all yeah um, and that's just studio albums, you know. There's you've got like soundtracks, you've got soundtracks, Grinder Man, you've got the birthday party, you've got all yeah. kinds of stuff. Going there's on. Um, a three disc B sides and rarities collection, which yeah. has some amazing stuff on it as well. So, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm a massive Nick Cave fan, mm. uh, not to the point where I love everything he's done, um, but the records that I love, I, I truly love and probably listen to on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, Murder Ballads is. Probably not one of those records, if I'm honest. It's a record that I like and admire very much. But um, love, it wouldn't be in my top five. Let's put it like that. But it'd probably be number six or number seven, truthfully. I've not thought about it extensively. But I I like it a lot, but I I, I don't, I'm not, I don't love it. Um, But it's a very interesting record. Certainly, you know, it's, uh, this is the first album he released after Let Love In. And Let Mm -hmm. Love In was... Uh, a c- commercial breakthrough of sorts. Yeah, it was doing like Lola Palooza around that time. Uh huh. Yeah, and mm. and the hand the song Red Right Hand was on that yep. album Let Love In, which uh, definitely propelled him into, I suppose, a more mainstream. You know, I suppose made him a household name. Maybe uh, uh, I think it made him a really really massive cult act. Yeah. It, yes. I think there's a difference yeah. between there's a difference between somebody who is a cool underground figure and a kind of cult icon. Yes. And I think that's the kind of point where Nick Cave became like a proper cult icon. Yeah, that's Because when you think of someone like, oh God, I'm trying to think of someone who's sort of comparable. I mean, obviously Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Yeah, but Tom Waits is as well. So it doesn't really make sense. So um, Julian Cope. Mm-hmm. So Julian Cope, like the Teardrop Explodes were a song of a cool indie band, as were like the Birthday Party. Mm-hmm. Julian Cope was had a few hits when he was doing his solo stuff, but he never got the same sort of cult following and the same sort of obsessive nature that no, Nick Cave got. Absolutely not. Um, I think it was a very... Uh, I mean, Nick Cave never really did anything quote-unquote standard anyway, but to follow this album which was easily his commercial peak at that point (coughs) with 10 songs that are about murder that are murder ballads Mm. uh is quite a brave uh move on anyone's part um if you uh, it's it's fairly simple 
what murder ballads are you've probably figured it out by the name but if you're unfamiliar just a little bit of background it's a subgenre of folk um it's a ballad which deals with crime or gruesome death basically um so usually stories that are told through music that involve death murder of some kind all of these songs count as murder ballads probably bar the last one which is death is not the end which is actually a cover of bob dylan uh but i think that was put i think it's great actually that cover i really like it but i think it was kind of put on there bob dylan was really big into his murder ballads he did loads of murder ballads so it's almost like a nod to dylan yeah uh, and obviously it's still the theme is still death mm. it's just not about murdering people yeah. <laughs> whereas the other nine songs are either about murdering someone or being murdered yeah um, so happy stuff <laughs> um i just wanted to give just a quick rundown of tr- notable traditional murder ballads just to give people an idea of the sort of thing that we're talking about yeah. so in the pines by lead belly or where did you sleep last night as it was renamed for nirvana yeah um delilah's gone which johnny cash and bob dylan did little sadie but people might know it's cocaine blues bob dylan johnny cash did that doc watson Hank, uncle tupelo all sort of woody guthrie loads of people did that jerry garcia long black veil people might know because the band did that and johnny cash again johnny cash does a lot of these nick cave also did a version of long black veil but not on this record Joan Baez did a brilliant traditional murder ballad called Mary Hamilton and there's also I wanted to mention Stagger Lee which is uh, a traditional um, murder ballad which is uh, reprised on this album in a very different form to its traditional I've uh, not heard the traditional one so I wouldn't know that there's a lot less swearing in it (laughs) (laughs) this version this version like fuck is probably every other word yeah 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 yeah. I mean it's probably like as much swearing as a Limp Bizkit record that song Mm. um but even if you're unaware of traditional... You can pay anything a higher compliment. <laughs> yes. God, I, I can't imagine for the life of me that Nick Cave would listen to this. But if he does, that's I'm never going to be able to talk to <laughs> yeah. him ever again. You're I'm the a, guy who compared a Limp Bizkit, aren't you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but if you were to expound the boundaries of a traditional murder ballad, you could also argue that the following songs are murder ballads. So Down by the River by Neil Young, for example. Delilah by Tom Jones. Uh, why, 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 Delilah? My, 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 Delilah. Uh, Nebraska, Bruce Springsteen. Diane. Diane. Very good. That wasn't on my list, but very good. Riders on the Storm by The Doors. Hey Joe, uh, which isn't by Jimi Hendrix, but it was made famous by him. Uh, I don't like Mondays, the Boomtown Rats. Yeah, Mac the Knife, uh, which was originally uh, Bertolt Brecht's. I know what you're going to say last. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh no, it was actually. No, actually. <laughs> was actually. I thought you were going to say Jeremy. Oh well, I, uh, is Jeremy a man about him? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but the, but those those are all effectively like folk purists would probably be furious that I said that because they're not murder ballads in the (gasps) traditional sense, but they are basically murder ballads because Mm. they involve murder in some way. Mm. Bloody, bloody, Mm. blah. So um, that's the theme. Mm -hmm. And when you think that, it's pretty odd that this, uh, would this be fair to say that if you take love, let love in out, this would be the most famous Nick Cave album? Um, uh, I like, don't know. No, I don't really. It was their most 
to date, at that point, it was their most commercially successful. Definitely at that point, and and uh, amazingly, it did do even better than Let Love In. Yeah. Um, for such an uncommercial subject. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember. Do you remember how? When was the first time you heard this record? Uh, not when it came out. Um, I properly got into Nick Cave when I was at drama school, so it would have been. Of course, you did. To, of course, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it would have been just before I went to drama school. Actually, I I reckon I was seventeen, so it's probably around two thousand two. I walked into uh, FOP in Bristol, no longer there, sadly, um, but this amazing beautiful music was playing and um i went up to the desk and asked who it was and they said this is nick cave and the bad seeds all of his back catalogue are five pounds each on cd and i bought four of them really? there and then oh. the album that was playing was no more shall we part okay. so that came out 2001 yeah um i think that was his latest at the time mm-hmm. uh remains my favorite nick cave album That's i have good. to say i i adore that record um and st- i listen to it regularly um but uh, yes, I think Murder Ballads was. I, I got I got no more. Shall we part? Let love in because I recognised the cover and it had Lover Man on it, which I'd heard Metallica do. Mm-hmm. I think I went with Murder Ballads as well because I was like, oh, that's kind of metally, isn't it? I mean, this is not a metal album. No, but <laughs> but murder metal. Ugh. Yeah, and I liked a lot of metal back then. So, mm. um, and then I bought another one as well. I don't remember what it was. But um, so probably 2002 would be my 2002. guess. 2002, right, okay. I can tell you exactly where I was when I first heard the first thing, or what, not even heard it, saw it as well. Um, yeah. Alternative Nation on MTV, hosted by Zane Lowe in yeah. about 1996. My friend, I've got to give a shout out to my friend Ewan Manson, who definitely doesn't listen to this podcast, but um, my friend from college, Ewan Manson, used to tape stuff off MTV for me and I'd say like tape Headbangers Ball and it was a little period before Super Rock started which <laughs> took over from it Headbangers Ball so Headbangers Ball got cancelled and nothing replaced it until Super Rock replaced it and there was a little period where there was nothing do you remember Super Rock? no Julia Valet. Julia no? Valet. she's so like a kind no. of Eastern European hottie Okay. I think it was what they Are used we to call them. Oh, well, well in the, this is from the 90s. Okay. Yeah. So in the 90s, you were. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was a sort of East, very glamorous Eastern European lady who would sort of sit in a busted up hotel room and play like sort of rock music. And it wasn't very, she was really bad and um, it wasn't very good. But the name, anyway. The name rings a bell. But, but, no, but anyway, I don't. Uh, while that wasn't happening, he was like, well, I can't, um, I can't take you. Um, Headbangers Ball but you should get Alternative Nation because that's kind of sort of the same thing and I was like alright cool and it was like um, he gave me a sort of three hour video of Alternative Nation that had I remember this tape it had um, Hero of the Day by Metallica first time I'd ever seen a Breathe video first time I'd ever heard Marilyn Manson at all I had Beautiful People on it mm-hmm. um, it had I think like uh, it's the first time I saw a video for Fool's Gold mm-hmm. by the Rolling, uh, the Rolling Stones the Stone Roses mm-hmm. and in the middle of all this a lot of it being like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and, you know, uh, Nada Surf and Weezer and the sort of bands that were around doing alty things, Everclear and stuff that were around in 1996. Sounds like a good channel. Yeah, it was good. This dude and his girl turn up all dressed in suits and a, and a very billowing flowery dress kind of in a wood covered in blood and singing this very dramatic but very wistful not not even wistful this very dramatic very dark really weird 
Definitely not rock music. Definitely not indie Britpop as I knew it. Much more much more serious much more i mean i didn't even know i had no idea what it was i had no idea what it was what it was was um was henry lee with obviously featuring pj, PJ harvey yeah. and i remember watching it and going why is this on this show mm. like not even being able to comprehend mm-hmm. how nick cave was alternative mm-hmm. which is mental really when you think about it because mm-hmm. of all the things i've just mentioned that were on that it's probably the most the bravest most alternative step to take yep. out of all of those people to be like a guy who played Lola Palooza with you know Chili Peppers and Soundgarden and bloody bloody blah all the kind of great bands of the the sort of early 90s alt rock generation to turn around and go no 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 I'm going to dress in a sharp suit and play these really really dramatic overwrought yep. um, kind of uh, ballads with traditional instruments and stuff with with, with PJ Harvey like literally i i i didn't know what it was and i used to fast forward it all the time when i'd watch this video i'd be like i can't watch really? this i can't watch this I adore what that is video. that oh mate it's amazing like yeah. now yeah. i'm like oh it's amazing but as a sort of 16 year old kid in an offspring t-shirt yeah i was like nah. so the video all it is it's uh <laughs> it's one shot isn't it yeah and it's um pj harvey and nick cave crooning to yeah. one another basically yeah and yeah like the, properly in each other's arms i was like this is the, this is wet well the amazing uh, the sexual tension is unbelievable and yeah. of course it's been well publicized that they had an affair um probably was happening around this time i'm guessing i mean it feels like it when you watch the video it's like those two people are fucking right it's sexy it's fucking sexy um can we say that yeah, yeah, we can say that. Um, it's the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so whatever we want. And um, you know, the, the I mean, the next album Nick Cave wrote was "The Boatman's Call," which quite famously is effectively the PJ Harvey breakup album, mm. and it's one of the best records he's ever released. It's an incredible record. But yeah, I've never, you know, it, it, it's it's a stunning video, just one shot because of this amazing tension between them and uh it's it's uh, it's a brilliant brilliant song that's actually one of two traditional songs on the record Mm. so the traditional songs are stagger lee and henry lee so these songs have been around for you know centuries basically Mm. and nick cave uh changed both you know um in stagger lee's case quite dramatically um henry lee is relatively um close to the original from what i recall although i should have like, tried listening to the originals it, before i came to this uh, it, 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 I, I, it's been a long time since i've listened to the originals of both but i have listened to the originals of both at some point yeah staggerly is super different as you can imagine which we'll get we'll get on staggerly but um yeah um and the 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 pairing of pj harvey and nick cave it's just perfect isn't it really she just released to bring you my love mm. which was probably PJ Harvey at her gothiest, maybe. Do you think? Yeah, it's one of my favourite PJ Harvey records. To bring you my love. Yeah, it's it, like the combination of both of them. Yeah, together. It's intoxicating, isn't it? Is so dark at yeah. this point. And that video was. It's almost like the night. Like it's almost like a one-shot nightmare version of Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> like the colours. Do you know what I mean? Like the colours in it, and yeah. it, it's properly like. It, it, it looks amazing. It looks like a painting. Like it's, yeah. 
but a very sort of sexy moving pain. They, they look like they're about to either fight each other or fuck each other. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's the co- kind of sexual tension we're talking about. Mm. And it's just, it's, it's palpable, you know, um, it's a really powerful video, like considering it's just a one shot. <coughs> so, uh, yeah. So it took me a little while, basically, is what I mm-hmm. should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kind of, um, to get into, uh, to, to even understand what it was that I was supposed to be trying to listen to. And I can't really remember when it clicked. I think maybe probably Red Right Hand being on the Scream soundtrack and being like, oh, that's... It was that's... on the Scream 3 soundtrack, wasn't it? Yeah. No, Scream 1. It's on was Scream. It Scream 1? It's on all the Scream. It's the, the theme to the oh, Scream. It's on all of them. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, it was at that point where I went, oh, okay, I should probably... Mm. And people were being super nice about Nick Cave. Like, he's amazing. And it's then that I went back. And I remember being like... Because as well, you as an uneducated person, you go... What, the dude doing a song with Kylie Minogue? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing we should cover straight away. So, yeah. so um, I think at the time, the, bra- the bravery of Kylie Minogue and her management to say yes to, you know, during the 80s, during all of the 80s, Nick Cave was a heroin addict, right? Yeah. Basically. Um, he cleaned up in the 90s, but but, you know, the stuff that he did with the birthday party was really fucked up and quite nasty and stuff like this. And in 1996, he'd only just sort of, he's released a few records post rehab and stuff, but he'd only really just come out of that. And he was still seen as like a dark, almost satanic. I mean, satanic's misleading, but dark front man type. And in uh, the song that they do it on where the wild roses grow, uh, Nick Cave murders uh, Kylie Minogue by bashing her head in with a rock. Yeah. Um, so the bravery for Kylie Minogue and her team, her management, whoever, uh, to do that at that point in time. I, I you know, I, I'm not an expert on Kylie, believe it or not. I don't know what she was believe doing at that time. <laughs> well, this was around the time that she was doing, and we actually mentioned it when we were talking about Gold Against the Soul when she did a song, you know, she had James D. Bradfield writing for her and playing on one of, of her albums. And she did like, she did try and reinvent herself as this kind of indie chick. Right. Yeah. Okay, so maybe, so it was partly You know, she was going maybe. out with Michael Hutchins, wasn't she? Um, oh, yeah, God, I uh, forgot about that. And, you know, and at the start, and, and, and also... No one, she wasn't a, she, she was a big pop star, mm. but oh, it seems weird to say it now, but she was sort of thought of as a kind of a bit washed up. I well, think. Her, career, her career was definitely on the wane because obviously yeah. Locomotive was massive late 80s. That was like 88, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, like, um, I should be so lucky and then Locomotive and then all this kind of, the, and then by the sort of 90s coming along, I don't remember Kylie Minogue being sort of I, there was a period where I think Danny Minogue was more popular than Kylie Minogue yeah you're probably this right it's gone weird isn't it yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're probably right but yeah but I just think in that midnight like she had a she definitely tried to reinvent herself mm. and I think they, they, she wasn't the only one either oh, no of course not like, but it wasn't really until two was it like 2000 2001 that she released I'm Spinning Around it was around that right, time yeah, wasn't it it was Can't Get You Out of My Head wasn't it mm, sorry it was yeah 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 um, that's that's when her reinventing herself worked mm. um but yeah i mean i, I it, it was certainly it was a really odd thing to do at the time oh, it um, definitely was odd yeah it was it was way down the rabbit hole yeah like it wasn't like like mark owen tried to do from take that tried to do a sort of indie album oh yes and, he did, didn't uh, he? do you remember that song clementine 
I'll give you the Mark Owen album one day. Uh, for, we should, for trade-off. shouldn't yeah, we? we? definitely should. Um, but yeah, he tried it, but it was really kind of... And even Robbie Williams' first album was all kind of oasis-y, wasn't it? I would call that. I, the first Robbie Williams album I would call an indie record, basically, yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So on Kylie Minogue's part, you are going fucking way further down the rabbit hole mm, than mm. than those two in terms of going, what can I do to distance myself from this pop like princess mm, um, mm. Uh, sort of image that I've got? Mm. You can't go much further, really, can you? No. And it's, you know, we talk about just juxtaposition <laughs> and dynamics and so on and so forth on this podcast a lot, but that's what makes it work brilliantly. You've got this yeah. demonic figure in dark figure in nick cave and then you've got this beautiful pixie uh, pixie virginious virginious uh, kylie minogue style figure who and and to give uh, she sounds brilliant her singing yeah is it's a real good showcase for her singing her mm. voice is so beautiful on um you know, I've already said it. I'm not an expert on Kylie Minogue. Maybe on her album tracks, she does these incredible Whitney Houston style singing things, but I, but I doubt she does. And I don't think her pop stuff, her own material, actually shows off how good her voice is. But this kind of does, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's it does, really yeah. beautiful. And when, when you hear it, I can't think of anyone else I'd rather have singing it. There is actually a version on the B-Sides and Rarities with uh, Blix the Bargeld, uh, who was a member of the Bad Seeds, doing Kylie's part. Yeah. Because I think at that point they didn't know if she would do it or not. Um, and, you know, like, obviously it doesn't hold a candle to the Kylie version, you know, but like, it, it is brilliant. Um, yeah. um, and it's an amazing song and it did a lot of good for both of them. You know, it was... Well, he was nominated for... Um, best male artist at the MTV Awards mm -hmm. the year that came out and I think he's kind of gone on record a bunch of times saying that he didn't really understand it and he thinks that the success of that song meant that a, a lot of people went out and bought the record <laughs> and then just went what the fuck have I bought well can you imagine what would have happened when they got to Stagger Lee yeah so track two is Stagger Lee and tells this story of a guy going into a bar, threatening people with a gun, uh, demanding that people suck him off. Um, this guy shooting people in the head whilst they're giving him a blowjob and stuff like <coughs> that. It's a really vile, like it's uh, the word fuck is like every other word. Yeah. Uh, it's overly crude and playful and silly. And it's probably possibly Nick Cave at his silliest. Mm. It's fucking it's, delightful, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's still shocking. It is, like, even it's, now. It's, it's like, you fucking hell. You're going, fucking hell, because you don't expect... I mean, not that you don't expect Nick Cave to swear, but... I, I mean, it's just, like, the imagery of it. Yeah. I mean, Nick Cave's very poetic. Yes, yes. And this is... I wouldn't say it's not poetic, but it's something... It's it's a type of poetry. Um no, I think it's poetic. If yeah, Philip, if but Philip it's Larkin, just... If Philip Larkin can do, you know, they fuck you up, your parents do, do yeah. you know, this is poetry. Absolutely, this is poetry. Yeah, I think. but it's just quite brutal. It, it's quite... Take it's, the quite out of it. It's brutal. Yeah, it, it's quite it's brutal. brutal. Well, it is brutal, but it's quite brutal in a in a, the sort of forthright way, which you don't necessarily always yeah. associate with Nick Cave. Yeah. And, um, but that's why I think, you know, 
where the wild roses grow is such a fucking like the red hot chili peppers used to say oh we love people buying our album because of under the bridge and then they've got sir psycho sexy on it and they have to get to that well, it's like at least you've got to under the bridge and have got past it before you get to sir psycho sexy yeah i mean they yeah. hit you staggerly on the second on track, track too like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's pretty fucking you know it's pretty hilarious that people would go and buy this record on the strength of kylie minogue like that is something that's always and then been get that yeah pretty yeah. fucking brilliant it, it, it it's it's it is a brilliant song and it's still a regular that he plays live and it is brilliant seeing him do it. You know, it's this really long story that he just, he really, um, it's interesting because when you talk about Nick Cave as a vocalist, he is not the strongest vocalist in a technical sense in any way, shape or form. (laughs) But when people talk about Nick Cave as a great vocalist and he is a great vocalist, I think it's all to do with the way that he sells a story. Mm. And Stagger Lee actually is probably one of the best examples of him that's doing fair, that. Yeah. Definitely. Off the t- uh, uh, and that's, that thought's just occurred to me now, so I can't think of other ones, but, but he is so good at selling that story and like the joy that he gets from putting holes in the motherfucker's head when he's sucking him off and all this kind of thing, you know. It's brilliant. I mean, it is so. It's it's a joy to listen to. Like, provided you don't mind copious amounts of swearing <laughs> yeah. and very violent imagery. Uh, very violent imagery. Mm. It is a joy to listen to, and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's like sort of gore porn or something like that. Yeah. In that it's like it's so over the top. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I I love that song. I I don't care if it's immature or shit or whatever. I I love it. I think it's brilliant. I don't think there's looking at the track listing from sort of beginning to end. I mean, I think we should probably talk about O'Malley's Bar. Yes, that is a fifteen-minute-long, yes, rip snorter of a sort of like a like a fucking hell of a journey. Again, when when you look at that, I always that was a thing. I used to look at the track listing and go fourteen minutes. Yeah, I remember those days as a kid being like, "Who needs a song that's fourteen yeah. minutes?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we should say that musically doesn't change all that much Mm. it's very much about you know in a folk tradition um nick caves about storytelling and stuff like that and it i think the music purpose the bad seeds purposefully don't change the music that much so that the story is front and center and yeah that's a brilliant story you know o'malley's bar originally was even longer no Um, i didn't know that again there's uh on the b-sides and rarities there's actually o'malley's Bar part one, two, three, and a reprise, which has oh. additional verses that weren't used, but they were recorded. Um, and I think it's an addition. If you put them all together, it's sort of an additional twelve minutes of material. Yeah. So they recorded twenty-six minutes worth of this story, and then yeah. edited it down to fourteen minutes and eighteen seconds, or whatever it is. So yeah. Um, so you can actually hear more of the story if you want to. Um, uh, it's bonkers, isn't it? It is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's bonkers, and um, and it's great, and it's it's when I th- when we talk about the nineties a lot in quite kind of you know like oh weren't they great days weren't you know they? Like, and they were like do you know what I mean they they really were and I think this kind of both proves it and also weirdly kind of because <laughs> shows up what was kind of lacking a little because I, I do listen to this and I go, how did this fit in mm. with anything mm. from 1996? Like when I th- think 1996, one of the great years in music, I think, 
Like I could go, I could give you a list of 40, 50 records that came out in 1996 that are fucking brilliant. But none of them are like this. No. And the, you know, this was in the UK, the height of Britpop. In the US, the kind of, the, almost the sort of birth of punk, pop punk and, you know, the Vans Warped Tour and stuff. And, yeah, I guess so. And uh, in, in guitar-based music. And this is so, you know, they were both kind of happy, like... It felt like all year was summer in 1996. Yes. It felt like everything was summer. Yeah. And... Not this record. But, and then this record out. comes along. Yeah. And it's just nothing <coughs> like that at all. So it's so weird that it, you know, I, I guess maybe it just felt like summer to me because I was listening to, you know, Insomniac by Green Day <laughs> and 1977 by Ash, but... I suppose, I mean, Nick Cave's never been an artist who's looked at what's going on. No, he, but everyone else is looking at him. Yes. Oh, absolutely. While this is, do you know what I mean? Like this was, this was massive. This mm. is like, this was a proper hit. Yeah. It was an actual hit record. Yeah. yeah at yeah. a time where, poor, I, I mean, I can't even think of a time where you'd imagine that this could be getting on MTV, but this was on no. like heavy rotation on MTV. You're talking about like 14 and a half minute long songs, uh, talking about stoving people's heads in. Yeah. You've yeah. got this weird almost satanic sexual undercurrent mm. going on beneath it. It's all dark and morose and baroque. It's folk-based. It's got... Very bleak sense of humour. Bleak sense of humour. Traditional musicians yeah. using Tra traditional instruments. And using traditional music song, as well, yeah, which is in the, in the folk tradition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, when you look at the reception it got, like four and a half stars in the Guardian. Actually, the enemy only gave it seven out of ten. It's got nine point two out of ten in Pitchfork, although that's newer, isn't it? Like the Rolling Stone issue, gave it yeah. foo, uh, gave it five out of five. Select gave it five out of five. Most people seem to go fucking loopy for it, mm. and um, you know it was number seven in the album of the year for the enemy. Like I suppose it's not. It wasn't massive, a massive kind of critical success in that sense. Like looking at it, it was, but still, it did. It did, it did very did well. well. Yeah, it did very well. I, it's um, <coughs> it's a weird form for me. I, I I do love this record because I love Nick Cave. But like I said at the beginning of this podcast, um, it's not my favorite Nick Cave by by quite some way. And and I would um, I I certainly don't agree with the five out of fives. I do think there are yeah. Uh, I uh, whilst whilst O'Malley's bar does not feel like fourteen minutes, it's probably a tad long. Yeah. <laughs> like I admire the fact that it is, um, uh, like you know, it's a fourteen-minute song, which probably feels like seven or eight, which is an achievement in and of itself. But but it probably could have been cut down a little bit more. For example, mm. I think there's one or two tracks on it which are a bit sort of ho-hum and obviously theming an entire record around murder you know i don't know many people who try to write i can't think of any other albums actually where an artist tried to do an entire record of murder ballads yeah like bob dylan for example did shit loads of murder ballads over his career but you'd only put like one or two on each, on each record mm. to do to, to bring it down i think it's fucking cool that someone tried to do this but sometimes you, you know, as a, I think he's done better records because sometimes the idea isn't quite as good as you might think once you execute it. Yeah. 
I still think it's brilliant and there are some awesome, awesome songs on it and yeah. awesome moments. It's really good. It's really good. I think we should end by talking, as we said, I think I'm, I kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, uh, the MTV nomination that mm. Nick Cave got for this album. Do you think this kind of, his kind of shunning, because like, I don't ever remember another time where Nick Cave was properly in the mainstream like he was at this period. Where he was, you know, this was on top of, like, he was on top of the pops and stuff mm. with Kylie. Mm. You know, he was getting nominated for Brit. I think he might have been nominated for a Brit since, but he's never going to win. Whereas here he had a sort of chance, mm. felt like he had a shot at winning. I'm not even sure if he got nominated for a Brit this year. But, but, he you know, he declined his uh, MTV Best Male nomination. He kind of took a massive, like, 180 in the opposite and walked away from it. I didn't know this actually. Sent MTV an open letter. Okay. Which I have here. Brilliant. This is um, Nick Cave's letter to HMV. So this is dated, well, put the date, actually. Uh, To all those at MTV, I would like to start by thanking you all for the support you've given me over recent years. And I am both grateful and flattered by the nominations that I've received for Best Male Artists. The airplay given to both the Kylie Minogue and PJ Harvey duets from my latest album, Murder Ballads, has not gone unnoticed and has been greatly appreciated. So again, my sincere thanks. That's quite a nice way. Very classy yeah, way to start. Yeah, it's a nice way to, uh, to start off <laughs> a letter of rejection, I have to say. <laughs> Um, having said that, I feel that it's necessary for me to request that my nomination for Best Male Artist be withdrawn and furthermore, any awards or nominations for such awards that may arise in later years be presented to those who have more, who feel more comfortable with the competitive nature of these award ceremonies. I myself do not. I have always been of the opinion that my music is unique and individual and exists beyond the realms inhabited by those who would reduce things to mere measuring. I am in competition with no one. My relationship with my muse is a delicate one at the best of times, and I feel that it is my duty to protect her from influences that may offend her fragile nature. She comes to me with the gift of song, and in return I treat her with the respect I feel she deserves. In this case, this means not subjecting her to the indignities of judgment and competition. My muse is not a horse, and I am in no horse race, and if indeed she was, still I would not harness her to this tumbrel. This bloody car of severed hands and glittering prizes my muse may spook may bolt may abandon me completely so once again to the people at mtv i appreciate the zeal and energy that was put behind my last record i truly do and say thank you again and again but no no thank you yours sincerely nick cave 21st of october 1996 that's amazing so <laughs> Even that is a work of art. Yeah. Just just the fucking letter to MTV saying thanks but no thanks. Yeah. Talking about his muse and horse and how it's bolted. Like, mm. the guy's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, we talked about him as a poet and um, we talked about favourite lyrics. I certainly talk about favourite lyrics quite a lot on this mm. podcast. Nick Cave is right up there for me and that illustrates why. The guy just sweats brilliance brilliant prose brilliant style in writing he's more of a poet than he is a, a singer truthfully yeah. um but he's one of the few artists i feel who 
his lyrics written on the page can be enjoyed almost as much as when they're put to the music. You mm. know, most lyricists, you take the lyrics away from the music and they kind of sound a bit trite and yeah. rubbish. Yeah. Well, mate, th- we're, we're about to talk about Oasis. In <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> no, um, no, uh, exactly. <laughs> no spoiler. Exactly. You know, and, and, but Nick Caves, you put them on the page and they, they still work brilliantly, you know. Um, what a fucking legend. Yeah. I love him. Great act. Just, just that is fucking great, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. class there is wonderful. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a guy, what a legend! He's a brilliant, brilliant man. So, anyway, there we go. That was, and I'm uh, sorry for comparing him to Fred Durst earlier in this podcast. I feel <laughs> awful doing that. Yes, yes, the original Fred Durst, <laughs> Renfrew Deadman. So, um, yes, good suggestion. Um, brilliant that was suggestion. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with their album Murder Ballads. We'll be doing um, loads of these. Yeah, we'll be doing them. We've got so many uh, uh, suggestions. We've got, like, we must have close to 100 now. So we will. We're going to try and get through them all. But if you want to add to that massive fuck off list um, and uh, get us to review an album, then we will bloody, we will bloody well do that. Go to patreon.com forward slash right at podcast and just give us as much or as little as you think we deserve for doing it and you can suggest a record for us to review as we have just done thank you thomas for your suggestion thank i think you. it ended up being very good Rude. and we will see you next time cheery bye